In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey everyone, welcome to After Advent. This is Mark Wheeler. Um, today we're going to talk about um, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, and that is, why do we do what is good? I mean, the answer to that is pretty simple if it really gets down to the nuts and bolts of it. Either you are afraid of hell and want to get to heaven and therefore you avoid sin and whatever leads you to sin, or you love Jesus so much um, that you are conforming all of your desires to be um, more like Jesus. Uh, that sometimes gets complicated when our actions cause other people to do things. Um, when you know that you saying something that you think is good or standing up for evil, uh, you see someone getting picked on, so you say, hey, we shouldn't be doing that anymore. Um, I recently had an experience where a family member talked about how they were going to um, a seance because they really missed their dad. Um, they're trying to communicate with him. Um, I didn't say anything at that time because there was a moment of, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I didn't want to uh, rock the boat, if you will. Um, and I kind of chickened out, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, we live in a time where there's a lot of attention given to the actions of others, especially their reactions to other things, other people. Um, anything going on in politics or in the entertainment industry is chock full of that. Um, somebody will say something, I think of uh, particularly Liam Neeson's comments on racism and the whole conversation about that and uh, his actual comments aside, um, the uh, media was just wrapped around the axle about that for a long time uh, because we are entirely absorbed and obsessed with what people say about what we do, what people say about what other people do. I mean, there's entire magazines and talk shows that are entirely about the latest fad, the latest big talking item, and everybody's reaction to that thing. And it doesn't even matter if they're adding anything substantial to the conversation. They just are reacting. And for some reason, we, as the consumers, are entirely about that reaction and just want more and more and more. In short, we have been conditioned to react to what other people do and to obsess about what they might do depending on what our actions are. We very much live in a reactionary culture and there's no shortage of topics. Um, anything from, like I said, uh, reports of racist behavior, um, how people are associating with this organization or that organization or they did that or that, so that thing in high school, um, whether the earth is using its natural resources, uh, global warming, uh, the stock market, who's signing what contract for which team. But we know as Christians that the actions of others don't actually matter. I mean, they just really don't. Not for our own life, not for our own walk with the Lord, not for the way that we make decisions. 
We have a standard. There is a law that's been given to us for our own conduct. And it's very natural to care very passionately about the way that other people act too. Again, because culturally, we have been conditioned to do so. And I think it's a very human thing also to want others to act like you do. Uh, it is how tribes are made. It's how cultures are formed. It's what forms the us versus thems. Um, and that conversation aside, I think that would be a great podcast topic, uh, the whole conversation about us versus them and um, the extent to which that exists inside of the kingdom of God. Uh, definitely a conversation for another day. Um, but it's very natural for us to want others to act like we do um, or to care very deeply about their reactions to our actions. I once had a peer in college um, who had this very peculiar philosophy. Uh, he thought that uh, because people are not very different from each other across time and across culture, um, that whenever he made a decision to do something, 50 to 100 people across the world also made that decision. And therefore, all of his decisions were worthwhile. And I think in a lot of ways, that's really idealistic. Um, and who knows? Maybe there's a bit of truth to that after all. Um, that maybe uh, people aren't actually all that different. But the actions of others are not ultimately why we choose to do what we do. In a very real way, we are the summation of our actions. We are not just a summation of our thoughts, our intentions, our desires, our dreams, but our lives are a summation of what we do. If you are someone, as the song says, just waiting for the world to change, then you are defined as a waiter. You are someone who waits. And maybe the dream, the dream that you have for a better world where people get along and treat each other well, a world that is in less of a pitiful economic and ecological state with the way that we treat each other and we treat the world. If you drive a car faster than the speed limit, in that moment, you're a speeder. If you use profane words, then you are a cursor. If you eat healthy food, then you are health conscious. If you have sex with someone other than your spouse, you are a fornicator. If you open the door for someone else as they enter the building, then you are considerate. If you watch movies all night, then you are a TV binger. If you do all the repairs on your car, then you are a home mechanic. If you write a book, you're an author. If you drink alcohol, then you're a drinker. Without putting any judgment on any one of those things, I hope that this demonstrates that your identities as a result of the actions you do, not the things that you wish you were. It matters that you do what you are supposed to because you are convicted that it is the right thing to do. God has a special interest in you being who you are supposed to be. He cares very much about you, your character, your virtue, you, and all that makes you up. Now don't get me wrong, he cares about your dreams too and your aspirations, your hopes, your thoughts, your fears, your struggles, and so much of the conversation that you have with God happens in that interior life. That's ultimately an action due, because if you pray, then you are a prayer. But just as St. James says in his epistle that, you show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works, we have an obligation and a responsibility 
to do, to work. But I realize to leave the conversation there would not be completely accurate nor a complete reflection of the truth. Because, sad as it is, some of us carry wounds that make it feel impossible for us to change our actions immediately. Some of us feel like we've gotten to where we are through valid reasons, that we're in the middle of something and we don't quite think it is where God wants us, but we're not entirely sure how doing anything different would be a good thing. I know of several examples of people who, through one reason or another, are living with their significant other and believe it to be a good thing to be with that person for all of the things that God is doing in their lives through that person. And they don't think that they can get out of that situation without destroying the thing that they think God is calling them to. Situations like that? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I do know that's not what God wants. I know that living with your spouse is a poor uh, shadow of what God has created that relationship to be. But I also know that God has a tendency to create beautiful things out of the broken. And situations like that are most certainly broken. I mean, you can even see in the genealogy of Jesus that he has a prostitute for a great-grandmother. So... I would call upon God to help you see the truth of that matter. If you're in a situation like that, or if you know of a certain person in a situation like that, continue to commit them to prayer, because Christ also says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And like I previously mentioned, if you pray, you are a prayer. I would also commit them to their pastoral authority so that they can be shepherded in the direction that God would have them go. Now, that doesn't mean you go and you tattle on them, that does, however, mean that you realize that somebody else has a pastoral responsibility over them. That's not you. But I'm also equally convinced that being in that situation permanently is not a viable solution. A broken situation exists so that God can fix it and make something beautiful of it. A broken situation does not exist to remain broken perpetually. In situations such as that, something's got to give. And God gave his only son to help us on our way. Lastly, in a perfect world, all of us would be doing exactly what God would have us do, or be striving to do exactly what God would have us do, all the time, without being fundamentally worried about what their neighbor is doing, only focusing on their own relationship with God. That would result in everybody ultimately doing the right thing, doing the just thing, doing the environmentally good thing, doing the economically good thing, protecting their brother and sister because they derive their identity from being someone who protects others. They would avoid cheating, lying, and stealing because they were too busy doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with their God. And then the entire world would change for the better, and we all would go back to a state mirroring the original justice that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden with God, and we would truly be demonstrating what the kingdom of God on earth is supposed to be like with all of us acting as the just citizens of that kingdom. It is only as a result of sin that this original justice was lost, and it's only by the continuation of sin in this present world that we have not gotten back to that original justice as a result of the coming of the kingdom of God. But that original justice will eventually be the reality we all experience. 
Jesus has won the war, even as we are currently fighting the battle, and we are sons and daughters of that kingdom. We have an obligation to behave as citizens of that kingdom, that kingdom that we are currently living in and fighting for. For how else will people know what true justice, true love, true mercy, and what the kingdom of God looks like if we don't live it? Whom else will they go to see how life really should be like, how people really should live, and how beautiful and how peaceful this kingdom, this world can be? It is only the faithful Christians who follow their master, acting as he called us to act, that we can do so. So, as St. Teresa of Calcutta said, let us go and be the change we would like to see in the world. A practical point. This week, go look at the relationships you have with people. Are you sensing a theme? Go and look at the relationships you have with people and see how your actions are shaped by their actions. Are your actions good, holy, pleasing, just, loving mercy, walking humbly? Or are you a slave to the reaction culture? And this week, do more than just observe. Try not to react, to choose your own action so as to be the sort of person you want to be. Realize the situations where you are afraid of what other people's reactions will be to your action. It's a good moment to see if the thing you want to do is a good thing or not. It's also a good moment to see whether or not you aren't acting simply because you are afraid of the reactions of other people. Finally, choose someone who you love to pray for. That's not an opportunity to be superior to another person. Don't go that way. That would make you a prideful person. But choose someone to pray for. Maybe they're in a rough situation, maybe they're not, maybe they're just someone who you want God's blessings on. But because we are citizens of the kingdom of God, we are called to be praying people. We are called to be prayers, which means that we have to pray. And the great way to start praying is to choose something to pray about and get going on it. So this week, choose someone to pray for. Pray for them every day. Pick a time, pick a place. Go to that place at that time and pray for them. Even if it's just 15 or 20 seconds, even if it's just in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, dear Jesus, please bless this person and bring them what they need. That gets you out of your own head into caring about other people. And then you are all of a sudden loving people. And that would make you a lover, which is ultimately what God has called us to be. A people that loves others, just as Christ loves us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. Before you I come, before you I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening, and I will see you in another couple weeks.